What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Meeting Up Podcast. I am Andres, as usual, here with the crew, RB3 and Sabrina. But joining us today, we have a very special episode with Mr. DJ Woldridge. Woldridge in the house. What's up, DJ? Hello, How you doing, hello, man? hello. Thank you for having me. I love the sound effects. I love it when I'm on a show that has like the soundboard yeah. and everything. It makes me so happy. Yeah, we got the air horn. We got it all, man. RB3 is the man to hook it up with that. Yeah, I was just on, uh, on my buddy Jason and Ashley's podcast, Geek History List, and they have a little soundboard. It's just a fun, I need to figure it out for my show. I don't know we, yeah. why we don't have it. It's a lot of fun, and obviously he handles all that. But DJ is here to talk about his exciting new comic called Hellbent. And because of that, guys, we decided to talk about the 2005 film Constantine, as well mm. as kind of the character of Constantine himself and anything that he might have inspired or any kind of themes that kind of center around that. So I'm excited to get into this. Let's jump right in because I, I kind of want to kick things off right away with kind of this world that is being created inside kind of this pop culture movie, TV slash comic world. And the way I set it up here is that it's interesting how it's a kind of like a Judeo-Christian mythology that you can kind of take from and then kind of make original stories from that. Uh, some examples I have here are like Supernatural, um, Lucifer. I know there's that uh, that crazy Paul Bettany movie called Legion. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah. Uh, but that's another one where it's like <laughs> angels versus demons. Mm -hmm. uh, it came out like 2008, I want to say. 2010. Like yeah, 2010. 2010. Okay. 3D. There you oh, go. Oh, yeah. Got to get it in 3D. <laughs> you got to get it in 3D, bro. Dennis Quaid in 3D. Uh, yes. Anyways. Uh, and then obviously the Amazon show, Good Omen, starring yeah. Michael Sheen, like a lot of big properties dealing with this kind of stuff. And then there's kind of like the smaller horror demonic side to this, which is leaning towards the lower budget, which is much more like starting way back with The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. uh, you can think about Hereditary. Um, the Witch is another example. Um, uh, Rosemary's Baby is about Satan's baby, mm -hmm. like stuff yeah, like that that is kind of centered on this world that is you know half foot in the bible half foot out of the bible but still kind of like messing around with it what is it about this world dj and this kind of mythology that so many creators have taken from it that makes audiences like want to come back for more well, I think it's a few things, right? I think for one, um, going all the way back, uh, you, you talk about the Western world, talk about Christianity, or just talk about, you know, go and spread the word. And of course, that got married to a lot of uh, colonialism. Uh, and so it kind of uh, infected a, a lot of the, the planet. Uh, and so that's a bit, it's, it's a lie. It's everywhere. Right? It's, it's been spread all over the world. So that's a big part of a lot of people um, uh, making these types of movies and stories are part of a, a Western Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, but also rewatching this movie, I just rewatched it today. You you can see a lot of, and then I just watched um, the new Conjuring movie as well, and you can see a lot of how the Exorcist specifically has informed how these types of stories are told to the speaking the verses in Latin to um, the all of that aspect of it, um, and I, I think that's kind of become the benchmark for any of these types of exorcism spiritual has become like the lingua franca of this this type of supernatural storytelling uh because it is interesting in this movie like a character like constantine uh doesn't specifically have a lot of catholic elements in the comics but this movie uses a lot of 
Catholicism and, and of course the 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 Conjuring movies have made the Warrens into basically Catholic superheroes, and and I have to think it has a lot to do with with the uh, Exorcist and the fact that um, I don't even know if it's still true anymore. But you know, Catholics have it is a thing. Catholics have exorcism. It's just open that world of like, oh, it's a Catholic thing. Uh, and so I think that's a big part of why these types of movies exist and why they behave in this way. Absolutely. RB3, what is your connection to these kind of stories? I'm, I'm definitely curious to hear your story behind it. Well, you know, as as somebody who grew up in like a devote, like Christian household, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot, a lot of these things. Um, so, you know, as, but, you know, I've always found like these these themes of uh, like the, the exploration of religion and like the, I guess, in the horror sense, always fascinating. I mean, like everybody's seen The Exorcist, like, as you said, DJ, that, that probably informed a lot of how cinema represents um, religion and Christianity and, and Jado and Judo, you know, Catholicism and all this stuff, how that's represented like on screen where there's, you know, the priest is the definitive good guy and the, the demon is the definitive bad guy, you know, and that's always what's going to be the case. And I think, you know, that's what we see in, um, you know, something like you mentioned before, Rosemary's Baby, which is one of my favorites, how there's the, her, there's that innocent, like, woman who's almost like the Virgin Mary um, who gives birth to, like, this Satan baby instead and yeah. that's, you know, put inside of her. So it's like, um, and then, you know, that's kind of how it used to be represented, but now we're living in a, a new age, a, 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 a postmodern age, where things like hereditary... Mm-hmm. Uh, where hereditary almost kind of subverts that almost flips it on its head right where it's like almost almost like an embrace of um paganism and um and demonic worship and all that kind of stuff so same thing with um um the witch i think the witch is mm-hmm. is, is another film that recently came out that deals a lot with that i mean i think that literally got a 24 is like cornered the market on that type yeah. of thing yeah, yeah 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 they're like sponsored it's by the church of satan or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah as you know, I think these these themes are enthralling to audiences because they, um, you know, religion is just such a deeply entrenched part of like everybody's psyche. Um, I think that's why um, it it just taps into like that that bare like instinctual um, fear, innate fear, and innate uh, unknowingness that comes with uh, life and the afterlife and death and hell and what lies for you know they're not so so um good people um in afterlife so i mean that's i I, it freaks me out a little bit but at the same time it's you know i i could definitely like i could definitely laugh at it like i definitely find shows like i love the controversy behind like the little nas x video that came out earlier this year um like i i just think it's absolutely hilarious um i don't really even care that much about like his music but it's just uh, just the fact that that just sparks that much outrage still even to this day is is funny to me so yeah it was weird because we were in the we were deep in production on the comic when that whole thing blew up I'm like oh my god wait till you see Elben if you're freaking out about this little Nas X video you have no idea what we're working on <laughs> yeah I, I I feel like that was so overblown but that's just my opinion I feel like it's made culture wars baby yeah a lot of a lot of suburban moms going yeah. at it, man uh, we need we need the donations to our super packs, culture wars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Sabrina, I, I'm not sure about your upbringing, but what is your kind of connection to these type of stories? 
Yeah, I kind of had a similar thing to RB3. My parents were like, no, you can't watch The Exorcist in this house. And I did. And my dad literally left because it scarred him so much as a kid that he wasn't able to even fathom the idea of being in the same house as I was watching it. And when I was like 11, I was like, this is not that scary, to be honest, because everyone hyped it up. It, it is terrifying, obviously, but not as bad as kind of like everybody in his era thought. Um, but I think something that's so interesting about these stories is that a lot of these like characters or people in, uh, you know, religion and in the Bible and all these different ideas, th these stories are so familiar to us. So these films or television or whatever it is kind of taking it and like flipping on its head, I think is so interesting because even like me, I'm not religious. And like, I grew up in a religious household, but I didn't partake in any of that. So I'm even familiar with all of this. And that idea of religion and faith is so interesting to me because, you know, people like in society, like it gives us something to believe in. It gives us something to hold on to. It goes exactly what DJ was saying about the conjuring and the Warrens really being like religious superheroes. It's crazy, especially in this last film, because they're going head to head with like a Satanist, like mm -hmm. someone who's practicing Satanism. And it's like, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And so stuff that kind of challenges that idea and shows both sides, like in different lights and all these different uh, characters I find to be so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, you know, James Wan oh, does not. Yeah, you know, James Wan doesn't care about any of that stuff. You know, it's yeah. just the, it's just the way these movies are done. Sorry, Andres. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, I remember the writers for the first two films as well were like really into this stuff. Like they were actually actively involved in exorcisms and all that. Uh, RB3 and I were there when we did a couple interviews with them uh, and they were like, straight up they're like oh yeah we've seen them demons and they they are scary so it's always one of those things where for me as a kid i also grew up in a super super hyper religious household like yay them. we all grew up in religious homes yeah <laughs> extremely uh so go. for me uh, but i i feel like I, for me it's completely different than you guys i i saw it more as like watch this so you could see what the devil will do to you because <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like to me it was all about cautionary tales where these stories were important because these were horror movies that were real like this isn't vampires or zombies the demons are real like dead ass if you grew up in the church demons are real so there is no you know differentiating as a kid as a kid you're like oh those things will come after me at night Mm -hmm. uh if i'm not a good kid like that's what you yeah. believe versus like when i saw all the dozens of vampire movies that i saw as a kid i knew that wasn't real uh versus me seeing this and i was like bro i ain't messing with no demons mm -hmm. i messing with no <laughs> freaking satan bro i'm not messing with that they, they totally are the villains to me because to me it was like growing up with that so yeah i i just think it's a fascinating thing because kind of going to your point sabrina the idea of making it like a mythology DJ, DJ and the idea of like taking characters, especially from the book of revelations, because I feel like that's essentially where everything's at, mm -hmm. uh, which is a crazy book. If you've ever actually read the book of revelations, it's like the most different book than anything in the Bible, in my opinion, uh, because it has like different creatures and different side like creatures and different types of demons and like the four horsemen. And it's like the most like, crazy like r-rated like fantasy tale that makes it very grim and dark and kind of bitter um which makes it terrifying which is perfect for like horror type movies and horror films so i'm kind of curious about taking the mythology of it, of, of it dj and kind of turning that on its head and making it almost kind of like a like a what like marvel has done with like 
Greek mythology, or what Stan Lee did with like Thor and Loki, who come from Greek mythology, but he turned them into superheroes. When you can do the same with like Michael and Lucifer and all these kind of characters. Yeah, I think we're. It's one of those like it's it's tricky, right? This has the benefit of being an R-rated movie in the early two thousands. I don't know that you could do the same thing now, which is weird, um, because like, to the point where I don't know if you guys have been embroiled in all the Loki conversations, but like a lot of people speculating like, oh, is it going to be Mephisto? And it's like, I actually don't think Marvel with its four quadrant down the middle, get everybody in there would even touch a concept like the literal devil is a villain in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think they're going to participate in that. Um, and, but I do think we're in a, in a place where you have a little, especially if something that's more adult oriented, um, that kind of is more tailored to a specific audience. I think you're allowed to play allowed. Uh, you'll get less shit for for playing with some of those elements. And it is um, like everybody was talking about. You know, it's it's such a part of our culture and our identity that even if you don't identify as religious, you're at least vaguely aware. If for no other reason, like you were saying, like uh, so many horror movies, so many haunting movies, every movie since The Exorcist has pulled uh, from elements of this that you're you're vaguely aware and that's kind of what this this movie really trades hard on less about the actual biblical mythology that's in there and more the mythology that movies have made since the exorcist like especially when you start getting into kind of goofier concepts like the idea of hybrids like what does that even mean in this context um uh that's kind of where this movie exists just kind of like a stranger things is less about the 80s and more about movies from the 80s um this is less about actual biblical mythology and more about the mythology that movies have presented yeah absolutely let's jump into it constantine obviously came from the hellblazer comics uh if anyone has read those comics they're pretty significant when it comes to the creation of these types of stories um and it's kind of an interesting adaptation i definitely want to bring the, the adaptation question to you dj a little bit later on because I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because it is so different and because the Keanu Reeves character is significantly different than the Constantine we get from the comics. But when it comes to this movie, it came out 2005, uh, R-rated, Rachel Weisz, Keanu Reeves, uh, Francis Lawrence directed. Um, they definitely wanted to present this new world uh, and give you different types of like story beats and, and i'm curious overall re-watching this film i saw this one last night again uh obviously i've seen it when it when it was coming out but re-watching it again how do you feel like it did in delivering the world building of the john constantine world sabrina specifically the world building aspect well this was my first time actually watching it ever um so i thought it was so interesting because Typically, I love the way they portrayed like hell. Like it literally looks like a place that you do not want to be at because sometimes it's kind of glamorized and it looks a little fun. And this is this is one of the times we've seen it where that's not the case absolutely LA at all. On fire. That's mm -hmm. LA on was. fire. I was like, that's already LA though. <laughs> and it's just it's just so interesting for to like the introduction of this character and him being, I had no idea this is how it was. And he's like definitely like self-serving and very, very cynical. The fact like right when we see him and he's dying from lung cancer and he's picking up a cigarette and smoking as he's talking about the fact that he's dying from lung cancer. It's just absolutely insane. So I love the introduction to all these different ideas right at the start of the film. That's kind of like what pulled me in. 
RB3, I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts when it comes to rewatching this film. And how do you feel like the script specifically delivered in, in adapting the John Constantine story? Um, well, yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of the adaptation, I didn't know too much about uh, the comic book character, his comic book counterpart um, before or, you know, if I'm being honest uh, right now, you know, I, I haven't known I haven't read too much of Hell, um, Hellblazer or of the Constantine you know, work in general. Um, my main familiarity, my main familiarity with John Constantine is through this movie. So, um, yeah, I, I actually, um, I actually dig it. Like, you know, as I've said a bunch of times on the show, um, noir is one of my favorite genres, um, is my favorite genre. And I just love anything that kind of mixes, uh, those elements into something freaky. And I love that, you know, this time around it's like supernatural, um, supernatural horror, um, you know, with like him, you know, kind of acting as like the uh, the the troubled detective, looking to like uh, you know unravel the, the the case. And it you know usually when, and I just I I find it fascinating because uh, they take a lot of noir elements and like subvert them, like you said, like the whole like L.A. on fire thing uh, in hell. That's um, that's funny to me because you know most noir movies are set in LA. Like that's the LA set thing. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if who, if uh, either of y'all, if any of y'all actually read the comic books and if that's how uh, that is portrayed in the, in the, in the comic books. But um, if that's, you know, uniquely cinematic, then, you know, that goes to show like they were referencing a lot of other movies and, um, and, and references uh, to allude to that, like noir genre stuff. So um, I always appreciate that. I always also appreciate, there's there's a book that I read in college called Day of the Lotus that ends with um, Hollywood like burning up in fire and uh, that's one of my favorite books too so I love that illusion too I also just love like all the performances like Rachel Wise Tilda Swinton as um the de like as like the is she the devil or is she like she's Gabriel the angel Gabriel, Gabriel. so a angel yeah so um but she's just like absolutely magnetic and like in this yeah. um and like in, in her performance um. And yeah, overall, like it, I love the stylistic choices. I think this is unlike, you know, I also think, by the way, like this came out around the same time as Hellboy as well. Mm -hmm. um, the original Hellboy, um, I believe that came out maybe a year or if not two years afterwards. I think like um, two years, yeah. 2007, yeah. maybe? Yeah, 2006 to 2007, I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, yeah. But you know, and while Hellboy is a lot more like comedic and it's a little mm -hmm. more like spirited, um, I do appreciate like the darker um, kind of more serious approach that this movie takes. So um, I know it's not perfect for people who like love, I guess, um, the character of, of the Constantine, comic. but yeah, and the comic. But for me, it's just a solo movie watch. I really dug it. Can I also mention about Papa Midnight? Is such yeah. a delight. Jaiman Hansu is so freaking good in that, and even like yeah. the club scene and kind of setting all that up. I found that to be so interesting as we were going throughout that story. God bless any movie that has Jaiman Hansu and does not kill him off by the end of the movie. Yeah. That yes. poor man dies in so many <laughs> of his movies. I'm not no spoilers, but there's one that just came out as of this recording. Oh, yeah. We talked and about I, it. Yeah, and it's like why? Why? He's an yeah. Academy no Award nominee. Enough. Why do we keep killing him? <laughs> No reason at all. It's yeah. terrible. Oh my uh, god. It's pretty Charlie's bad. Angels. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, no I, I feel like it's interesting, right? Because I kind of want to go to what you were saying, RB3, real quick, just because I have to give a shout out to the DP of this movie, because I feel like that's what stands out the most, if I'm being honest. Um, Philippe Razolette, 
he's a French old man DP. Uh, and when I mean old man, I mean like he's old. Um, he's been he's been making movies since like the sixties or seventies. Like Homie's been in it for a minute. So shout out to him for making this movie and making it so stylistically different than what we were getting back then when it comes to the superhero films. Not too many camera movements, nothing too fancy, nothing too flashy. And in this one, we get like underwater slow-mo, like camera tilts going in and like slow build up. And I, I just loved it. I love the DP and the direction behind the, the camera for this film. I definitely feel like that was a standout. But DJ, I wanna ask about the adaptation aspect of it because you're a comic book writer. And I'm yeah. so curious when comic book writers watch uh, adaptations of a comic book, how they feel about it. So I'm curious how you feel when it comes to this one specifically, considering it is considerably different, but at the same time, it still tries to deliver a few of the elements from the comic in there. How do you feel it delivered in that? Yeah, it's interesting because it's a movie I enjoy. I actually really enjoy this Constantine movie, but as far as adaptations go, it's not good at adapting the comic. Like the, the, they, uh, they change the character's nationality. They change his hair color. They get the name wrong in the comics. The, the comics go out of its way to say it's pronounced Constantine. Um, yeah. yeah. And so on those elements and, but it's something interesting watching it now is kind of like a time capsule because now when it comes to adaptations before we were on, uh, before we started recording, we mentioned that this director went on, he did I am legend, which is another movie I enjoyed, but he also did a bunch of the hunger games movies. And by the time you get to those Hunger Games movies and you start getting the MCU, uh, the Harry Potter movies, all that stuff, you're at a point where they, studios realize that the best way to get your core fan base involved is intense fidelity to the work. Any straying from the source material is met with immediate and vicious backlash. And so it's interesting seeing going back to the time where the focus wasn't necessarily doing everything exactly the way it was in the comic, but just making a good movie. Like, let's just, let's just make a good movie. And if, if these, the director or the writers and cinematographers have any pet interests, uh, they follow that muse and it leads to some really interesting stuff and it leads to some not so good stuff. So I would say like, I know when they were talking about hell, I was reading some interviews where they were talking, they looked at like nuclear blast test footage. And so their idea was basically like LA in a consistent, because time is freeze, it's just in a persistent nuclear blast, um, which is like you all were talking about is a really interesting visual. And then you get stuff like, like the hybrids where it's like, well, I don't know. They're definitely going for like, what if, what if, uh, Blade, but The Matrix and also Hell, which is also weird because Blade and The Matrix has share a lot of creative DNA already. Um, but so it's 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 interesting because like I could see a version of this movie that if you like cast Colin Farrell in the lead role, that is much closer to what people associate with the comic. But that said, I love Keanu Reeves. I love him in basically everything, and he's so damn cool. That and he and he brings a lot of that. I, I was reading, um, well, I was reading a, a criticism of the movie, and how did they describe it? They described it as like a zen blankness, and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a diss, but I don't feel like it is because there's something about his ability to exist in the space and kind of like let you as an audience into it what's going through his head that really like John Wick speed, the matrix, all of that stuff. It just works. Um, 
I, so I think it's I, I I enjoy it. I think it's and it's also a bummer with the way the movie ends. I feel like the movie leads leaves some threads, leaves a couple key characters on the table that it's like, yeah, I kind of wish as much as I I am excited for the idea of a more traditional, accurate depiction of the comics character that I love. I am kind of bummed that we don't get more of this world. Like this, this version of the character I think is, is entertaining and there's a lot of merit in it. And like RB3 was talking about the idea of LA noirs and, and marrying that with um, the character. I think the spirit of the comic character is definitely there, especially when you get into scenes like um, the very first exorcism scene where uh, he, he ejects the demon into a mirror and then breaks the mirror. That type of stuff is very, very true. Like, to the character I feel like because he was created by Alan Moore originally um, in Swamp Thing and Alan Moore is big into chaos magic and that plays a big part of that uh, type of thing it's just a different way of of uh, perceiving that stuff and so I thought in, it, there's a lot of the spirit of the character in here which I think is cool it's interesting right because the first thing I thought of was the kind of world building concept especially when you're showing this to audiences who don't know anything about Constantine which is most audiences considering not everyone is familiar with the character especially uh, in 2005 yeah yeah especially yeah. in 2005 um so I felt like that was kind of like the big like getting over the hump of like how do I explain this world and and, and the movie just kind of throws you into it with as little exposition as possible until like maybe maybe the very end um you kind of don't know what's going on you just see like this mexican guy get possessed and then he just starts walking and you're like ah sure mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't yeah, know what that is or yeah. what's going on like, how did you the just spirit don't really how did the spirit destiny and the nazi flag end up in mexico ah, whatever doesn't matter <laughs> yeah exactly or like what is up with the bugs and the bug demons and they don't explain that like that's also like one of those things where it just kind of throws you in there and it makes you want to see uh, what the story is. Same with the, the, the priest that John meets up with, like he's a seer, I believe, yeah. um, but they never explain it. They just show you him going through newspapers and stuff and his eyes rolling back and you have no clue what's going on. Um, so I think it's definitely an interesting way to make audiences kind of just jump into it. And I definitely feel like maybe there is a portion of the audiences that was confused for sure. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I like about it the most is how it's set up for like future projects. And I mentioned a couple of them, but I want to mention them again because of the similarities. I have told these two guys here, Sabrina and RB3, that I have seen all 14 seasons of Supernatural <laughs> Good for you. Uh, as, a, as a Supernatural stand. And, and I could honestly say that there's a lot of themes in here with like angels being a-holes that hate humans. That's Gabriel. Um, that's a very supernatural thing that they take from that when it comes to like Lucifer personally being upset because you're killing demons or like the demons in hell are like, I can't wait for him to go to hell because he's sent so many of our brothers down to hell. Like that's a very... Constantine thing that they say a lot in the movie is that he sent so many demons to hell that he's going to go to a prison I think is how he describes it like yeah. a prison where I sent all the inmates there uh, that's a thing that comes up in Supernatural quite a bit there's also Lucifer the uh, the the show in the comic as well yeah. um, as well as the Paul Bettany movie which is another thing I just keep bringing up but it, all those things kind of take the concept of like what if like angels had their own agenda and demons had their own agenda and they just kind of battle it out with like humans in the middle 
then the humans are like the good guys and the angels and demons are bad guys both. Um, so I feel like that kind of led to maybe the opportunity for more stories to be created on screen. I don't know if you're going to agree with me here, DJ, but we do have an upcoming Sandman project from Netflix coming up, which to me kind of feels similar in this vein when it comes to the stories that are in Sandman, as well as, I don't know if you've seen American Gods, that's another. Yeah, love it. Neil Gaiman story that is also having to do with mythology and like old timey gods versus new time gods, mm -hmm. uh, which is very similar to what like a Constantine or like a Judeo-Christian Judeo um, mythology brings to you. So do you feel like this kind of let studios know like, hey, this kind of stuff can work on screen? I don't know how you feel about that, DJ. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this project specifically because okay. I actually don't know how well it was received. Sure. But I do think once you get into the the period we're in where um, comic books, particularly superhero stories, are making all of the money in the world, I think people that maybe want to try and make something different or appeal to a different audience start exploring um, uh, a lot of essentially what, what you're talking about here is is the classic vertigo comics from the 80s and yes. the 90s um mm -hmm. which you know it's part of the reason why we're talking about this movie because that was a that was a big influence on the comic i'm making hellbent um and so you start looking at those stories and those are like these beloved be benchmarks that once you start getting once you've gone through all the uh, uh avengers and the justice leagues and the stuff like that then you start getting into the boys and you start getting into um, Constantine and Hellboy. You mentioned Hellboy earlier are, are a little bit unique because I think they're more part of the tradition of um, stuff like for Crow or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or stuff that was already on the fringe that kind of like got bumped in quicker than the, than the rest of the less mainstream stuff. Uh, Cause I think, uh, I, I think there was a, a lot of hesitancy to dive into straight up superhero storytelling for a majority of the time of the existence of comics. Um, and so you, you reached out for stuff like Constantine that, that maybe aligned more with, with the exorcist or noir movies and stuff like that. But now that you're trying to get every property, I mean, now, Constantine's hanging out with the legends of tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's uh, uh, essentially on the CW. Um, but I definitely think when you talk about like the, the it's Kripke who created supernatural, right? The original showrunner. Yeah. He, he went on to make the boys. So he did. clearly in Garth in, in this, in this movie um, is an adaptation of, I think the arc's name is dangerous habits, um, which was written by Garth Ennis, who also wrote the boys. So clearly Kripke's a big Garth Ennis fan. He's, he's read, uh, this this run on Hellblazer, like he knows. So yeah, I would I would imagine it's definitely influenced the people that are making the things that we enjoy now. Yeah, I I feel like like that's definitely the case, especially when you start to lean towards more episodic types type stories. And I can even go, I can even stretch this out if I wanted to. Right, a lot of people might be like, no, it's not. But like I could even go to like the animated aspect where there's a lot of Constantine animated films. I don't know if you guys have mm -hmm. checked them out. There's like a lot. There's like five or six um, new animated movies. There's a new one that just came out, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and there's also kind of this new wave of like animated demon gore, which is like Castlevania. Uh, yeah, Castlevania. Castlevania is literally like priests and demons and creatures and a lot of disgusting things that are that are going on there. And I feel like that is also kind of coming with that aspect of like, how do we adapt this product that we like into a format that people can watch and enjoy? 
Um, how do you feel about that, Sabrina? And how do you feel like maybe we're going to get more stories like these in the future? Well, I think it's just interesting because like, even when we look at stuff, I know we're naming so many different examples like Supernatural or things like that. But another one was that uh, Sabrina show on Netflix. Oh, there you go. They, they deal with all of that. They deal with like witchcraft. It's cool to dive into these things that, you know, there are people in, in our real life like that practice these types of things. And it's not necessarily looking or at it from an objective it. and believe it. And it's not necessarily good or bad or anything like that. It's like, obviously, 100 years ago or even 50 years ago, if you talked about witchcraft, everybody would be like, um, don't hang out with that person. Don't even go to that person's house. But it's a completely different story now. So seeing that from an objective standpoint where it's not necessarily good or bad, I think is something that we can dive into in so many different things. And that's kind of what we're seeing now with things like Sabrina and like Supernatural was a huge phenomenon. I wish I dived into it when that first started because now it's, it's way too deep for me to get into late. it at any, yeah, any it's point too now. Late. People, it's way yeah, too people late. People are always like, you should check it out. I'm like 14 seasons, mm -mm, that's not happening. They're like, well, uh, you just have to wait through, you have to get through the first three or the four and they're not very good. But once you get there, I'm like, no, it's not, ha it's not happening. I'm sorry, the ship has sailed, it's gone. <laughs> I, I think you can, I think you can do it. If you just watch one through five, I think that's plenty. Uh, I, I feel like after five, Kripke leaves, uh, mm -hmm. he, and, and that's when the story starts to kind of stray away from what it originally was. I was um, on Tumblr in 2014. I was like avid Tumblr, and yeah. people loved that. It was like the super who lock, like everyone yeah. was dying. I saw it when it was it. airing, fam, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> this was yeah. like oh, six. <laughs> You're, you're saying five seasons like it's not a big deal. We're not talking like what we do in the shadows, <laughs> like 20 minute, 10 episode yeah. seasons. Uh, We're talking about hour long, 24 episode seasons. Uh, like yeah. that is a commitment. Yeah, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., watch <laughs> Supernatural. Yeah, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got pretty good in, by end of right? season one into season two. Right, it's amazing. Yeah, I yeah. love that show. Anyways, RB3, I, I definitely want to talk about that kind of world, especially specifically the horror aspect of this kind of world building that we've seen and how people are taking from that now and how that's kind of changed over the years. How do you feel about that? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the aesthetic of horror has changed significantly. I mean, just look at what horror was, uh, you know, just 10 years ago. I mean, we were at a point where it was like all found footage or like all whatever. Um, but now we're living in, a, in an era where people you know, expect more from horror, expect more um, visual stimulation as well as um, you know, emotional stakes. And I think, um, you know, as we uh, alluded to before, you know, a lot of people are emotionally, very emotionally connected to their religion, uh, their belief system, whatever it may be. Um, even if it is, you know, even if it's mild or if it's tempered, it's still like instinctual within us to, to kind of react viscerally. I mean, even, 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 even a movie like The Nun, which, you know, like, I was wasn't like good. I don't think anybody would consider it like good per se, but um, it made a ton of money because of the literal fact that it was about a nun and it was you know from the Conjuring franchise and all that stuff. So and yeah. had a creepy aesthetic to it. And I think um, I think that's basically like where we're at, you know, in horror. And that's to me is good because I much prefer that than the you know um, what we see in found footage. Um, you know, I, I also don't love like slasher films either. So um, I, 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 you gotta write, watch the right slasher movies, dude. You gotta write, watch the right ones. Yeah, no, I gotta tune in. Maybe I gotta tune into the right, to the right, to the right ones. But um, 
there's this yeah some of them just get a little even too we have some really good slasher that's been coming out lately like when you talk about like happy death day even the one with yeah. vince oh, vaughn one. stuff like yeah. that i feel like they're they're taking that genre and they're making it something a little bit more interesting um but i love that you talked to you mentioned the nun out of all of the conjuring films the nun made the most money and i think it's one of like the worst received <laughs> That's just pretty crazy crazy to me. It's literally just like the nun, the visuals, the aesthetic, all about that. Like, I think people are just flocking to see a film like that. The aesthetic is the best part of that movie. It definitely has like an old school hammer horror vibe, which, which was very cool. Like just being like, especially, you know, that was back when we were able to see movies in theaters. What a wild (laughs) time Uh, sitting there in like a nice cool theater watching that stuff. Like that element was, was really cool. Less problematic than the third Conjuring movie. There you go. But I also kind of feel like that's part of what it is. Right. And obviously the Conjuring movies, I haven't seen the newest one, if I'm being honest, but the Conjuring movies, that's okay. Ever since I saw the first one, I kind of felt like I knew where this was going, which is kind of where the first Exorcist movie went anyway, which is kind of what goes back to what I was saying, which is kind of like, yes, there's demons and yes, they're creepy, but if you believe in God and you raise your hand in the sky, you can destroy them with the snap of your fingers like Thanos. Like It feels like a very like superhero slash like you know, you could play this in a church. <laughs> the Conjuring Two definitely. The Conjuring Two for sure definitely felt that way, especially at the end. I felt like the they had the Bible as like the Deus Ex Machina with the page at the right exact spot. Oh man! Come but on. that's nah. but that's also like if you want to play, if you want to stretch it a lot, and I and I can't stretch it. Constantine, that's what Constantine is. Like he's you know saying he's literally pulling demons out of people in Latin doing the, mm-hmm. the the demon possession thing that I tried to memorize when I was watching Supernatural, because uh, they also do it in Latin too. Um, but it's- You gotta do it in Latin, <laughs> it's the only language they know. Exactly. Uh, demons are like, shit, he's speaking Latin. Yeah. He's speaking Latin. <laughs> you got That's me, the one language we learned down here. Now. Oh no. But uh, but when they're doing it and they're saying, and in nombre de Cristo, you know, but obviously in mm-hmm. Latin and not Spanish, uh, but they're saying all this stuff and you hear the words like Christ and Jesus and, god and they're doing the cross and the cross it feels very much like on branding for like you know like after the movie ends you can go to the you know concession stand and buy a bible uh if you Mm -hmm. want where you can fight actual demons with the you know what i'm saying though like it Mm kind of feels like that and i'm just like all right okay cool this is what it is but i feel like you can take from that and and stretch it really far which is kind of what constantine does uh, which is why I enjoy it so much. And I think we all kind of agree that it's it's definitely a unique and different comic book adaptation. Um, all right, guys, after the break, we're going to go to break right now. And after the break, we're going to be talking about Hellbent, which is DJ's new comic, that diving into all that, all the themes inside that comic coming out soon. So make sure you guys stick around right after the break. This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. With the 450 divide you in half, you getting at me equals a club half. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And bang, there was light, soon followed by life, and with it, free will. And the devil f***ing hated that Hey everyone, my name is DJ Wildridge and I've got a new comic called Hellbent that I'm so excited to share with you, and I made it with these wonderful people. Hi, I'm Jaina July. I am the 
co-creator and co-writer of Hellbent. Hi, my name is Heather Vaughn. I'm the, I guess, anchor artist for Hellbent. Hellbent is a 44-page comic filled with monsters, magic, and metaphysical mayhem. If you enjoy the cosmic irreverence of Preacher or the phantasmagorical world-building of Sandman or any of those classic Vertigo comics, you'll love Hellbent, which follows the story of Jesse, a teenage trans woman with incredible supernatural abilities, and Nick, an arcane assassin that's like a badass blend of John Wick and John Constantine. Or Constantine, depending on your inclination. When I think of Jesse as a character, I think of someone who just wants to be free and wants to be able to be who she really is. She's going through a journey that I think is relatable to basically anybody who's kind of come of age, which is all of us. She's badass. The campaign for Hellbent is live right now on Kickstarter. If you go to hellbentcomicbook.com or click any of the links in the description or just go to Kickstarter and type in Hellbent, it should take you right there and you can go support this comic and get your own copy. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. Everybody, guys, we are back after the break. Now we're going to get into Hellbent, which is why DJ's here to talk about his new comic. Uh, I was telling you during the break that I'm excited to talk about it. I love the art, man. The art is something special. It definitely stands out for sure. Yeah, we were really lucky. So um, this has been an idea I've been playing with for a while. And I kind of pitched the rough concept to my friend Jana July, who co-wrote it with me. She and I have been friends since high school for a long time uh, and collaborated on stuff. And it was both something we kind of um, really, uh, the, the concept was really interesting to us. And so when you're kind of like, not as well established like you just kind of shotgun out you know you you look around you spend time on like websites and forums and stuff like that and find artists that you like and you kind of just reach out to them and see if they're interested and and fortunately heather vaughn um really uh really uh fit the the project and was was into it and her 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 work was great and it all just kind of worked out and it just kind of snowballed from there um heather's our interior art and our main cover and we've got ellie wright on colors Haley Rose Lyon on letters, and then we've got variant covers from Nicole Gu and Danny, who've worked on a bunch of like Marvel, DC, a bunch of big mainstream books, and so it was really wow. cool to get variant covers from them. Yeah, I love it, man. I think it works so well with the character and the stories for sure. Speaking of which, man, I've read the description. I think we all have, which is a lot of fun. It sounds really interesting for sure. I think the first thing I have for you is I have to talk about the devil character and the way you set him up specifically in your comic, uh, because we've seen a lot of like versions of like Lucifer and what he is a lot of, a lot of sympathetic versions for sure. kind of making him feel like he might be like a misunderstood hero or an anti-hero. Um, but you decided to go with this approach of making him very much like pro authoritarian pro borders pro-capitalism yeah. pro kind of a lot of what we see right now happening in the world uh what made you choose this approach well it was a couple things and by, we didn't mention the last thing but like shout out to peter stormer playing the devil in uh lucifer yeah. in uh, constantine i can't imagine a better in my brain that is the person you cast to play the devil but anyway um and yeah for people that want to know more about the comic you can go to hellbentcomicbook.com and the basic premise is a trans woman with incredible supernatural power has to go on the run with an arcane assassin to uh, escape a cult and the cult worships the devil. And and to answer your question, it kind of came from, so uh, Jane and I, we all admitted in this group that we came from more religious backgrounds. Jane and I actually went to the same church together when we were kids. And so we grew up with a lot of that same 
stuff and and i actually spent i was i was way into it i think i've read the bible cover to cover like three times and something that you notice when you actually spend time with the book is that that's kind of what the devil represents like if you go to job he's kind of like a, a lawyer trying to convince god that like to to that Job isn't isn't a good person. If you look at, you know, a lot of the times the villains in the Bible represent the state, they represent the religious authority, they represent um, the, the, the man in charge, you know what I mean? They represent the man. And so I felt like that made sense to me if, if the devil is supposed to represent evil in the world, it made sense to me that he would represent authoritarianism he would represent uh, capitalism. Uh, he would represent those things that I think are used to oppress people. And um, it, it kind of sprang from this idea of basically going at him like any other villain. What, mo- what motivates him? What, what drives him? And, I, and we, we really like this idea that um, if you're talking about this, this omnipresent creative force that is God, non-binary force that created everything. Um, and created the angels and the demons and then created humanity that the devil would be this figure that really is essentially he would never admit it but he's essentially jealous of humanity and he's jealous of of basically the idea of sharing god's attention with anybody we we describe him in the video as kind of like god's crazy stalker ex-boyfriend like he just he just really can't get over the fact that like god would like anybody even at the same level as him and so he's made it his mission to similar to the job story he's made it his mission to prove that humanity is not worthy of God's time or attention. And that's kind of his motivating factor. And once you get into that, basically you're talking about a religious zealot essentially. And so then that's, that's where all those things kind of connected, um, it, which, which leads us to the story that we have. Yeah. Something that definitely stands out to me is the character of Jesse as their protagonist. How'd you come yeah. up with her character? Well, it's, I think the, the original idea was going from that con- conception of the devil um, playing with the idea of the Antichrist. And, and there's a verse in the Bible, and if I was a smarter person, I'd be able to pull the verse out at the drop of a hat, but I can't. But it talks about nobody knows the day or the time of, of the end times, essentially. Andres, you were talking a little bit about Revelation earlier. And, and not even the devil knows. And so I like the idea that since the devil doesn't know, he's just constantly putting out and an heir and what's supposed to be an antichrist every generation and hopes that, Hey, maybe this is the one, maybe, maybe this is my time. Um, and eventually you get one that's not into it. <laughs> it's like, I don't want, I that's not what I want. Um, and so my co-writer, Jaina, um, she's a trans woman. She's an LGBTQ counselor, um, an academic and, so this idea that like the, the Antichrist, according to whatever prophecy in the world of the comic, is supposed to be like the devil's dead set on it has to be a dude. And Jesse's not. She's a woman. And and she comes out when she's kind of rejecting, like, no, this is not who I am. I'm not, I'm not a woman, or I'm not a man. I'm not uh, I'm not supposed to be the, the prince of darkness or any of this shit. Um and that and that's again, that was kind of like it all was part of the primordial primordial creation process. And that's why it was important when, when Jane and I were creating this, it kind of became important that we realized that like our two leads are Jesse and Nick. 
But Nick is your more traditional stoic badass person, which also translates to he's not he doesn't get much of an arc. He doesn't he doesn't grow a lot as a person. He and, and as part of his character, he's kind of he's kind of a calcified, n- not emotionless, but kind of close to it type person. And so uh, Jizzy gets this coming of age story. So she's really kind of the focal point of the story. So when you're talking about um, a young woman coming of age it became important to be like, I didn't want it to be like other comics where it's like, hey, we're talking about a woman coming of age and here are all these white dudes to tell that story. And so when we were looking at the art team, we wanted um, a team of women and non-binary people that could help. Um, obviously, Jaina was a big part of that too, but it's not, you know, it's it takes a village to tell one of these stories and we wanted everybody to contribute those their perspectives on it because, um, you know, like no... We wanted this comic to be very inclusive. There's a lot of like anybody that goes to the help at comicbook.com, we it's we're straight up front about it. There's a lot of drug use, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of sex stuff in the comic. It's very mature oriented, but at the end of the day, it's supposed to be inclusive and it's supposed to be positive. And so, if you're telling an inclusive, positive story, you want as many people involved as possible. And what we're, ex- we're excited about, we hope, if we get the chance to do part two because there's there's more to this story to include more voices from different backgrounds from different experiences so they can all contribute to it um and and make this and and hopefully people from all different walks of life can see themselves in this story because obviously we have jesse and her experience but nick too he's latino he's from mexico and so he has his own own perspective his own experiences and so we wanted to populate this comic with characters from different walks of life and different experiences yeah. And um, I, I think that's really dope. And, you know, as somebody who like, you know, I, uh, you know, like I just uh, been helping produce uh, Cardboard Castles with um, our good friend uh, Johnny Rome and um, a very big part that, that Johnny really wanted to incorporate into the um, making of this uh, making of their film was um, really including non-binary uh actor uh actors and leads and 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 casting um gender fluid and or or casting people who didn't have a a a particular identity and that's and that you know taking those small changes really you know making those small changes and those small initiatives really make a big difference in the long run like do you think you know you you know uh through this comic book through help and, and through like representation you know through like your representation, telling different stories of representation, of destiny, of identity, and all of these things in the comic book mythology, even though it could be challenging to the mainstream, whether that is, uh, you know, stories about the devil and religion, or is, is stories about um, trans women, uh, you know, can yeah. be very divisive in the society. But why do you feel like that's important to tell uh, in the comic book medium? Yeah, it can be divisive, huh? Especially when we go back to that little Nas X thing, which is which is weird to me. It's weird that like um, I don't know if you've all checked out the comic Second Coming, um, but it's written by uh, Mark Russell, a really talented writer, and it's basically like, what if uh, Jesus came back? Like God basically sent. Uh, wasn't happy with Jesus and basically sent him to go hang out with Superman to learn how to be like a real savior. Um, and it's really, if you've read it, it's it's actually a really positive take on Jesus and really, if, if anything, it's more, it, it deconstructs the idea of Superman more, but it re- received such a massive backlash and was supposed to be part of a relaunch of, of the Vertigo imprint. And it eventually got shunted off into um, an indie publisher, Ahoy. And it's like, that's Vertigo. That's the, that's the publisher that did Preacher. Preacher. <laughs> uh, and they're not willing to do it. And so 
for me, a lot of the beauty of comics is because, especially when I was growing up, because they didn't receive the same eye of Sauron glare of media, of, of mainstream media that like movies or TV shows did, you were allowed to do more experimental, more challenging things. And so for me, it was kind of going back to that place where comics could be about anything and could be about anybody's stories. And I think we're living in a really great time in the sense that you know you're getting a lot of of movies and shows like um, my wife and I just watched the finale of Pose which which was beautiful um and you go to like mm -hmm. comedies like Rami and you go to mm -hmm. we're, we're in a time where people can tell stories from so many different perspectives and it and it really enriches the experience and while simultaneously reminding you that people's experiences in a lot of ways are universal the the goals that we want you know people could if they if they really wanted to split hairs about jesse being a trans woman and while there is specificity to that experience and specificity to the challenges at the end of the day it's still the, the universal story of coming of age that we've all gone through and it's and it's different for each of us but there's elements that unite us and i think there's there's power in that and um and and i hope yeah again and as we as we expand the world as we as we bring in more collaborators and stuff like that i hope that um it allows more people to see themselves in this work which also I'm not sure there's a lot of people listening to your show that wouldn't be into something like that, but on the off chance that they might be, uh, you're, you're doing the service to yourself, you know? Cause I think if you just on the purely selfish, I aspect of you want to enjoy good stories, telling more diverse stories gives you more good stories. Like, it, and it gives you insights and experiences and stories that you haven't seen before. And so, yeah, you could do the whole, you know, we could do the whole same story of like, the white antihero billionaire decides to beat up uh, poor people with mental disabilities. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the story. You could do that. I mean, you, why not? But why not give yourself uh, uh, an opportunity to experience something from a perspective that you haven't seen before and broaden your own um, uh, insights? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully people can see the beauty in that in, in, in a story that, that again is full of violence and cursing and and uh, uh, horse demons and stuff like that. Well, the first thing I think of, man, is if I'm being honest. Now that obviously we've all kind of disclosed our connection to to the Bible, I I, I don't know how deep you guys got, but it sounds like you got deep, DJ, uh, when it comes to the actual Word of God. But one of the most interesting aspects of it is the idea of like not having any kind of defined binary kind of you know, identity for creatures of God, right? Like we don't necessarily, especially in the book of Revelations, as I said before, but we don't necessarily put that there. We don't say like a he, him slash creature of God. We, we just, we don't know. We don't know what it is. So I, I think that was one of the most interesting aspects. Obviously, when we were talking about Constantine, we didn't bring up the fact that Tilda Swinton playing the angel Gabriel was such yeah. a, conversation when that movie was coming out uh as little as i don't know how many people saw the movie and how many people were a part of that conversation but i remember it and i remember mm. that being a point of conversation because it is like a stereotypical like the angel gabriel everyone knows who that is but then it's tilda swinton playing it 
I feel like that's a very interesting perspective because when you read the Bible and you realize you actually can have that interpretation, I think yeah. that's an even more uh, bold look on it because it is very possible when it comes to even the Bible. Yeah, it's interesting because we don't we um, in in this first chapter, these first forty four pages, we don't we we touch on it a little bit. But, you know, if you, again, if you spent time with it, there are, we, we tend to, the, the Bibles tend to present it to people as like God is white guy with beard and clouds, right? But the way the Bible talks about it, there are times where God is referred to as a mother hen. There are times where, where the feminine pronoun is used. And so, again, when we were taking this mythology, we are kind of like taking it at face value. The idea being that if you were to try and conceptualize a being that was big enough to literally create the universe as we know it, you are now beyond basically every conception you have of what would define a person. So you're so far beyond the idea of gender that it's almost it's almost comedic. Um, and something that that we want to get into down the line is um, spiritual entities in the store in the world of Hellbent do not have gender because why would they? Uh, so it's a it's a very it's it's important that the devil has gendered himself the devil refers to himself as a he why you know what i mean like mm -hmm. why would you do that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so because there is kind of um uh the devil's relationship to humanity is something we explore a little bit um in in a very specific way to jesse's relationship because it is her dad and it is a toxic relationship. So the idea of having a toxic relationship with a parent and how that informs you as a person and how you define yourself outside of that does have relations to what the devil means to humanity because that is also a toxic relationship we're in. And in some ways that, that figure has almost defined what we've become as humanity almost as much as God has. And we don't spend a lot of time with, with, um, the the god as a person mostly because how would you even go about depicting that you know what i mean anything you would do to depict that would diminish it and i find it it's one of the things i don't love about the constantine movie it's something that a lot of um we originally our, a lot of our conception of the devil comes from zoroastrianism where it's two equally powered beings against each other and i find that less compelling then if you say there is an all-powerful God and everything else is made by that, so then what does that figure think about what's going on here? It becomes less knowable, almost almost scary, almost almost a little bit. Once you're dealing with something that massive, your own problems um, become it contextualizes them differently. Almost like not. Have you all are you all caught up on Loki? Uh, okay, two, okay. Episodes, now, two episodes oh yeah yeah same same so so no yeah. no though i mean the only thing is that first episode when he opens that drawer and he sees the thing that everybody of the past 10 years everybody's been dying over mm -hmm. just sitting there and people use his paperweights you're right. like what am i dealing with exactly you know once you're once you're in that kind of context it it it, it changes the way you perceive your reality anyway yeah no that makes total sense to yeah. me and and, yeah, and i think deep. uh I, I think it works well because it is a little it's too massive right and that's why it's yeah. a little bit easier to to bring it back down when it comes to these other types of characters which i think is fascinating man because obviously we live in a world now especially where a lot of these you know mega preachers and mega yeah. uh, pastors 
uh, are, are like, you know, flying off in their PJs and like yeah. doing their things. And, and we kind of associate that with God and we associate that, you know, somehow my relationship with God has gotten me, you yeah. know, a, a $500 billion home. And that's why I'm successful when in reality, it's probably the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you said, you guys said I can cuss, right? Yeah. Fuck that shit, man. Yeah. Fuck it. Because it's it's such it's such garbage. If it you is. look at if you look at um, the gospels alone, you know a lot of the stuff. And, and there's something interesting thing here too. Like a lot of that stuff is is very leftist in in Jesus's ideology. It is. And it's interesting that you know even something as as mainstream now as Superman. Like if you go to the original Superman comics where he's basically throwing slumlords off of buildings and stuff like that, he's very much fighting the establishment. But then that character, that figure, starts making money, and so then the message changes. And it's the same thing with Jesus. And it's it's so frustrating. You had churches making people come out in the middle of COVID. Why? Because their tithes depended on it. If those asses are in the seats, nobody's putting money in the basket and they're not getting paid. Fuck that shit. That's not what that shit's about. That's not it. it, it it's so frustrating how this this thing like you, you go back um, to a lot of churches will have conversations about like, oh, I don't know if we can have woman leadership. The original church had a bunch of women leaders because it was about marginalized communities and women were marginalized. And so that's what that represented. That was the, that was the point. And it's frustrating to see something that if you actually spent time, not that, not that everything in it is, is perfect because like a lot of works, like you, you bring yourself to it. But if you actually spend time, especially in the new Testament, especially the gospels and look at what it's talking about, it's not the way it's used. It's weaponized today to yeah. validate uh, ideologies that are is literally ruining our lives. It is literally ruining our lives. And so, yeah, I guess that's the part. Why is the devil represented that way? Because that shit's evil to me. Yeah, and it and does, that's, it, what, it, that's what he's supposed to represent. He's supposed yeah. to represent evil when essentially, if you read enough of the gospel, you realize when it's, you know, you've, we've all heard God is good, but that's essentially what God is supposed to represent. Yeah. all that is good right yeah. and then all that is evil is supposed to be personified inside the devil and and when you start to realize when it comes to greed when it comes to stepping on people when it yeah. comes to turning away when someone is in need and all the things yeah. that wait a minute y'all are preaching all this kind of stuff that seems a little evil yeah. uh and you start to realize the irony behind that i think that's a very significant way to do it inside your comics right? it's There's like a... that type of thing it's like you can't do this because i don't believe in it and it's like mm -hmm. honey we aren't even like related or friends or anything you don't have yeah. to say on what somebody else does with their body with their time with anything um it is so insane like even that trailer that came out of uh the eyes of tammy faye I believe mm -hmm. with uh jessica chastain and andrew garfield and it's talking about the televangelist uh from yeah. like the 70s or 80s yeah tammy faye baker yeah yeah craziness because i i dove into the whole story and it is absolutely insane that it was real yeah and it's it's just this idea of like listen money is bad so give me your money and then god will bless you <laughs> yes. with yeah. money and it's just a grift it's just a grift and it but it, yeah. but it uses thing it uses stuff that people genuinely believe and means something to people um, and it, it really uh, abuses it. And it's just so, I mean, there's a, there's a reason, if you look at our launch video, there's a reason the devil in the comic is, is gold and not red. You know what I mean? Cause it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, um, 
And of course, we were writing this during, we were creating it during the pandemic. So of course, like what did the pandemic do? It, basically, all the stuff we knew that wasn't working, it just put extra strain on it. And so just everything just took a nosedive. And so it's like, yeah, it, it, it became like, it became very easy to be like, oh yeah, this is what evil is. Yeah, it really did, man. And that's why I, I like kind of where you're going with this. And I think it's really exciting for sure. Uh, it, it reminds me a little of, uh, of uh, I'm sure you didn't intend this. Uh, I don't know how caught up you are with Raven in the DC comics uh, and, and, and how he, she deals with her dad, with her dad. <laughs> kind of being like a, like a demon figure or like a Satan type. Yeah, um, what becomes like any any toxic any and not you know and I shouldn't even say that. It, it, obviously, the relationship with Jesse and her father is specifically toxic, but it's, it doesn't even need to be toxic. A lot of coming of age is is learning who you are outside of who your parents are and outside of what your parents believe, and that's okay yeah. and that's healthy. And it and in this specific case, the father figure is evil, but they don't need to be. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't like it's 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 it and and so dealing with that kind of of growth and obviously like a lot of genre fiction you know we're dealing with in a heightened way because that makes it you know spoons full of sugar helps the medicine go down kind of a thing but you we wanted to tell this fun supernatural action-packed story but it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't connect you know you want it yes. to connect with people and you want it to to people to take away something you want people to see themselves in it and so that it will resonate with people and and i think like you know, if you've ever been in a museum and you're looking at like a work of art, if it's if it's good and if you're in the right headspace, you're you're in a conversation with the person that made it over over time and space and all that stuff. Uh, you're watching like maybe Constantine isn't a good example, the Constantine Constantine movie, but like you know if you if you watch a really you know beautiful, meaningful film, it'll impart things to you decades after it was made and so you anyway it's all it's all kind of pursuit and of that of of entertaining sure. people while also giving them something to to walk away with i i love it man and i love those kind of stories i i think that's why i was so this is my last thing i'm gonna get a, a groan from these two that's why i was so partial towards rise of skywalker uh but i felt like that's kind of where they were going to where it was like she's like the daughter of satan but she rejects that by like the end of the movie uh, when she's like, crap, my grandpa's the devil. And then she kind of has to realize like, who cares? Like I can be who I want to be yeah. um, by the end of the film. Uh, but anyway, I was just man, really happy. I was really happy that wasn't the Suns reference. That's the one thing. I was yeah, like, oh, okay. that's what I was waiting for. I thought reference. it was going to be something about the Suns. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I really am excited for this, man. I, I definitely want to check it out. I've been following these kind of stories forever because they really do hit near and dear to my heart because I am so familiar with uh, all these themes and all these stories because I grew up with them. Uh, so I'm excited, man. I'm excited to jump into it again. Where can everyone find that or support it? And what's the process at right now? Yeah. So um, as of this recording, I think we are 194% funded. We we nice. are officially funded. Yeah. You can go to hellbentcomicbook.com. Yeah. Sound yeah, effects. It's, it's specific hellbent comic book. Not just Hellbent Comic, Hellbent Comic Book. If you do anything less, it won't take you where you need to go. Or you can go to Kickstarter, type in Hellbent, and you'll find it. We are funded, which is great because that means it's, it's happening. It's not like you're throwing your money, like, oh, maybe it'll uh, turn out. Maybe it won't. No, it, it's, you will get it. It is happening for anybody that, that doesn't know. I've done two previous comics, crowdfund two previous context, comics, gotten those rewards out on time to everybody. 
Nice. So I have experience doing this. You will get it. We are planning to continue the story. And now we're at a point, we're at the stretch goals, right? So the, the tarot plays an important part of the story. So we have tarot cards, the rewards we're going to do, uh, designed by CAP Ward. Um, they did incredible work. Right. And you, we're going to upgrade those cards with um, the first stretch goal. And now it's about, you know, when you're going in the creative process, you have a vision for it. And typically what's the limit? The limit is the budget. That's the limit of the story. So each yeah. stretch goal allows us to kind of fulfill our goal of providing the the best possible experience to our backers that we can. So please go, sh if you've already contributed, go share it. If, if you haven't contributed, I, I would please do. I think you'll love it. Um, and yeah, let's, let's make this comic as great as, as we know it can be as it, as it will be. And hellbentcomicbook.com is where to do that. Yeah. And I think we have it in the description below. Uh, RB3 gave me the thumbs up for that. So I make sure that's all set. And that sounds awesome, man. I, I, I really do uh, want to dive into it. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. And obviously, DJ, we appreciate your time coming on here. This is super cool. Uh, we appreciate you coming on for this. I think this is, uh, it turned out great, man. Honestly, where can everyone find you? Specifically. Oh, uh, at DJ Talks Trash. That's where I'm tweeting about Hellbent. Uh, you can also um, check out my podcast, Only Stupid Answers, um, at Only Stupid Answers on Twitter. You can talk about else from stupid. All of you have been on some iteration of it at some point or another, and you will be again in the future. Uh, so, yeah, Only Stupid Answers is the place to check all that stuff out. We just did our most recent episode was talking about E3 with Dan Casey from Nerdist. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, I have to see you guys go follow DJ over there. RB3, where can everyone find you, man? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DirectorRB3. Sabrina? Twitter and Instagram at SabrinaXMonica. Also on Twitter at SabrinaOnFilm. Now I'm at Squad Leader Race, guys. Make sure you follow us at First Cut TMO as well. Make sure you subscribe to First Cut if you haven't done so already. Leave us a comment down below. Give us a like. Do all that jazz. I know RB3 will greatly appreciate it personally. So make sure you guys do that. Either way, guys, for the First Cut crew, we are peacing out. Peace.